Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. It is time for our Trusted Advisor Radio Series. Now here's your host, Chris Seabrook. Thanks, Stone. Uh, <clears throat> so today is March 14th. Um, doing the show a little bit different today. I've got uh, one special guest here that's going to share um, uh, about her business and uh, operation. Um, so I'm going to do a little intro and then I'll, we'll, we'll kind of go into go right into it. Um, today I've got Ken A. Quarter. Uh, she is a hypnotherapist, uh, financial therapist, international speaker, and the CEO of Presidential Lifestyle. Uh, welcome, Ken A. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I will tell you that the reason why this is a special edition, why you're doing things differently, is because I was listening to your podcast or your show and I was saying, I want to be on there by myself. So I just use my manifestation (laughs) powers. You you spoke it into existence. Exactly. That's what I do. (laughs) So... But I thought I should tell you why. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like it. (laughs) Confessions. Um, Okay. So... so, um, you know, I've had the pleasure of kind of somewhat knowing you for for a little bit of time, but yeah. not in not in this capacity. So, um, I want you to tell me uh, a little bit about your business, kind of how you got where you are today. All right. So, how much time do we have? Come, come on with it. <laughs> so, as you know, we met years ago mm-hmm. um, when we were both members of the social club or the executive club, mm-hmm. and then I was a financial advisor, and that was probably ten years into my career. I had already sold pretty much everything with a dollar sign associated with it. I sold credit. I sold money. I sold insurance. And then I was selling stocks and bonds when we met, mm-hmm. and uh, into that time, I realized. People needed help with more than just the numbers. There was anxiety and trauma and what I call blocks to their prosperity. They wanted to execute on these financial plans that I was creating for them, but they didn't have the tools. So I shifted into mental health therapy so that I could go deeper and help people reach what was blocking them from reaching their idea of prosperity or as most people see it as executing on their financial plans. Wow. Okay. And, and that kind of, uh, brings me to, um, I, I guess one of the concepts or philosophies that you use is the, um, the money mentality. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me a little bit about how that, how that works. So your money mentality is basically your money personality. Mm-hmm. And in the research that I'm doing is the research is still out, but in the research that I'm doing, it appears that how we get love is how we use money. So either, I'm going to spend money on you to get you to love me, or I'm going to be so responsible with my money that you can't help but to love me because I'm so responsible. And babe, I'm sharing, I am saving for our future. That's why you should love me. But when couples get together, it's usually one of those people who wants to spend money to show love and another person who wants to save money to show love. And so then that's when all the arguments happen. This is where I come in so that I can help them see the different money mentality that they have. Mm -hmm. Now, I say that there are seven money mentalities. Now, there are different money personality quizzes out there that may say differently. But for me, what I found with my patients and clients that there are seven. Mm -hmm. So one is the saver. And that's just what they do. They only know how to save money. They don't know how to do any of the other things, Mm -hmm. which I'll explain the money cycle in just a second. 
The second is the spender. And just like it sounds, they're just spending the money. That's all they can think of. They bury their head in the sand when it comes to everything else, but they're spending the money. And then there's an enthusiast that looks like a spender, but the enthusiast has a reason why they spend money. They're spending it because it needs to look like something or they're going to buy the bar. Like they're going to be the person that everybody loves because, hey, let's keep the party going. Then there's the blamer. Now, the blamer is not listening to this show, so we can say all kinds of things about them. The blamer is blaming. (laughs) The blamer is blaming everybody else. In fact, when I do the money mentality quiz, I rarely get that money type back because nobody is reaching out as a blamer to do changing, to to change. Somebody taking the money mentality quiz is trying to change. They're trying to get an idea of what's happening. And a blamer is just not doing that. They're blaming it on every third party that Mm -hmm. they can get their hands on and not them. The the locus of control is outside of them. They're just like, it's the man, it's society, it's my parents, you know, whatever. So then there's the hero. And all of us know a hero. In fact, they're probably the biggest money mentality. And that is the person who takes care of everybody around them. So they get the money and then they end up spending it on other people because it's like, oh, you can't pay your mortgage. No worries. I got you. Oh, you got a boot on your car. Oh, we're good. I got you. No worries. And they take care of everybody, but not without strings attached because the hero will let you know. Oh, my gosh. Woe is me. I have to take care of everybody. What would they do without me? So that's the hero. And then there's the artist. And we all know the starving artist kind of concept. And the artist is this person that doesn't really want to talk about money, but they want their money. Like they're, And they're not necessarily an artist. Like They don't have to be creative. But we know this person that wants their money but doesn't really want to talk about it. They'll say, like, well, we can talk about the prices later. And then you get their bill and you're like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should have talked about this sooner. Right. right. And then the last one is the president. Now, my company is called Presidential Lifestyle. So that's why we named the last one the president. And the president has this harmony over all areas of the money cycle. Now, remember I said I'll explain the money cycle later, but the money cycle basically is earn, grow, protect, gift, and enjoy your money. And the president does all five of those well. Every other money mentality does one or two well and then needs help in the other areas. Wow. Okay. Okay. And I I can, um, as you were going through those, I can kind of relate to Several of them. Um, <laughs> not really sure where I'm at uh, just yet, but but I mean, I can definitely relate to to all of those, and I can actually yeah. think of people who might fall into each one of those categories. Um, I've even got some clients that I could say um, <laughs> probably aren't listening to the show, but <laughs> but they fall into one of the categories, right? Yes, yes. So so tell me, um, how does each one of these? I guess how would they affect your lifestyle? So it depends. So where you? It depends on where you are. In your life. So mm-hmm. I call the money cycle the money cycle, but there's also this life cycle, right? So how you navigate the money cycle is going to determine your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you are a hero. And I bring up the hero because that was my money mentality before I started doing this work. And if I'm a hero, then when I'm high on, you know, like I'm living large, then there's no problems really because I'm solving all the problems with money. Right. It's like right. no no worries. Nobody will be not okay. Cause everybody wins. Everybody is okay <laughs> if I'm okay. But the moment... Like the market crashes, which is when I determined, oh, I can't be a hero anymore. 
So the market crashed and now I'm living off savings and I'm trying to help people with my savings that still have jobs, but my business is closed. And this is when I'm getting the reality check that, wait a minute, something's not right here. Money can solve problems when you have it, but when you don't have it, then where do you go to solve your problems? So now um, just to make sure I'm, I'm getting it is each person, I guess, kind of uh, in different phases of their life or whatever, they they touch on uh, these different money mentalities? Or is it that you're primarily one and, you know, some of them pop up? Or how does that, how does that work? It's yes and both. Let me tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are transitioning, like if you're the type of person that is growing and learning and transitioning in your life, then you are transitioning through the money cycles, the money mentalities. But if you're not a grow, growing person, then you're probably staying in one mentality. And most of us have a dominant money mentality. Like I said, mine was a hero. That's where I fall the most. So that's where my personality comes out. When there's a problem, I solve it with money. I'm rescuing, I'm saving, I'm the martyr. I'm dying on sword for everybody, right? <laughs> right? But let's say as I transition, as I grow, I might go into an artist. Like now I'm I'm saying no. I know how to say no now. However, I'm still not all the way to a president. So I'm still moving through the money mentalities. So as you grow, you can shift from one money mentality to the next. But if you stay in one money mentality, what you'll see is depending on what's happening in your life, it's going to be how you navigate the money cycle. Now, let me break that down just a little bit further. Mm -hmm. If I'm a hero and money is coming in, then there are no problems and I'm not recognizing that there's a tr- any trouble with my money mentality. Right. But when money goes down, now I'm recognizing that there's a challenge here and I need to determine what it is because obviously I'm good at earning money because I have it to give, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm even maybe good at growing money because I have that to get, I have, you know, I had, I had a savings, but maybe I'm not so good at protecting money. I haven't done it very well because I'm just giving mm-hmm. it out. I have no boundaries. Maybe I'm good at gifting money. In fact, I am excellent at gifting money, right? Right? But if I don't have any to give, then where am I? Now I'm not feeling like myself because I don't have money to give. And that was my identity. I was the gifter. So if I don't have it to give, now I don't know who I am. Right. It takes away from from who you you thought you were. Exactly. And then the last one, enjoy. And you really can't enjoy money when you don't have it, right? Mm -hmm. You need it. In order to enjoy it. So if it's not there, now the enjoyment is taken away. So the gifting, which used to be my joy, is taken away. Anything else that I would use to enjoy money is taken away. And now I'm only left with earning and and, um, growing. Mm -hmm. But that's only if it's still coming in. Hmm. So, okay, so you explain that. So now I know uh, financial... uh, progress or, uh, or, or difficulty is going to determine, um, how each one of these are affected. But, uh, is there, so for instance, let's say I'm a saver, okay, you know, mm-hmm. cause we're going to, of course we want people to save. We want people to kind of build their, uh, their assets. So it, would it be wrong for me to stay a saver if, it, if I've got the money to be able to put away, do I have to, um, per, eventually progress to the, the president? Like what, you know, are there safe pockets that you can be in for long periods of time where 
it would be better for you to be the president I, I and have harmony. But, <laughs> yeah, but but you you can be in this pocket and you're mm-hmm. safe. Um, you're safe. You're comfortable, and there's not really any problem. Um, I guess until there is a problem. <laughs> Exactly. So that last sentence is where we, <laughs> where I'm going to go with this. So as a saver, remember I said there are five areas of the money cycle. Mm-hmm. You are good at saving. But what about the other areas of the money cycle? Because savers are not necessarily good earners. I mean, how many stories have you heard about the bus driver who just saved every penny he made and then sent his his kids to Ivy League colleges? You know, you hear those mm-hmm, stories. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He wasn't a good uh, earner. He was a good saver. But maybe Ernie, he could do a better job in. Maybe enjoying, because I bet you he didn't go on any vacations when he was saving for his kids to go to Ivy League colleges. So nice. maybe he could do a better job in the earning area. And maybe he did a good job gifting. But let's look at the other areas of the money cycle and see what's going on. That's what's going to tell you whether you're a president or whether you need even need to work on becoming a president. If you're if you find harmony in all five areas of the money cycle, mm-hmm. then you're good. Whatever you're doing is working no matter what you call yourself. But if you're stuck in one area and that becomes your identity, then not so good because the other areas are are losing. Got you. Got you. Okay. Um, so I, I know you've got another concept that you call the uh, the money mission statement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so tell me about this money mission statement. How do, how do I go about creating one? What is what is the purpose? So they all work together. The you need to know your money mentality first, mm-hmm. and then you have somewhat of an understanding of the money cycle. So what the reason why I say somewhat, because we're ever, that's ever learning, you know, we're ever learning the money cycle, right? And is, as two professionals in this industry, we'll, we're probably still learning as we go. Right. Hopefully for our, our, the sake of our clients that we are still learning. So we're learning as we go. So you get a good grasp of the money cycle and then you take what you learn in the money cycle and what you learn about yourself and you create a money mission. Now, if you're married, then it's a marriage money mission. Both people decide what is my idea of prosperity first. And then from there, how do I want to earn money to get there? How do I want to grow my money? Protect it, gift it, and enjoy it. Now, let's break that down a little bit. So some people were saying, well, what do you mean? How do I want to earn my money? I want it to come in the form of a check. <laughs> it's like, sure, or direct deposit, right? Well, yeah, but how will you earn it? Are you willing to take a job that you don't love for money? Because some people are, some people aren't. I'm not capable. I'm actually pretty unemployable. <laughs> it's very few jobs you, that I've been I an entrepreneur take. for too long. Exactly. You, you can't go back. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, must I? <laughs> Will I die if I don't take this job? That's like my decision whether I take a job or right. not. So as long as some people have that conviction, right? Some people are there with me. Other people are like, I have to have a job. I need that stability. I want a check coming in every week or two weeks or however, you know, often the check comes in. So you got to know yourself. And that's what you put down in your money mission at under the earning section. And then you go to growing. Are you willing to invest in companies that maybe aren't socially responsible? Or are you are you very strict as to the companies you'll invest in? Are you like, well, you know what? They 
employ kids. In fact, they don't even employ kids. They almost enslave them. And that I don't want to do business with any company like that. Right. Then you got to be really clear on that and put that in your money mission. And it comes to protection. What are what is your insurance game look like? Like how much insurance are you willing to have? Are you how much risk are you willing to take? Or are you saying I need to transfer as much risk as possible? I want disability. I want all of them, you know, because some people will say, well, give me this one, but I don't want that one. And right. I know you know what I'm right. talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how much risk are you willing to take on and how much risk do you want to transfer to another party? Then it comes to gifting. Where do you set the boundaries around gifting? Remember I said I was a hero. I didn't have any boundaries. It was like if you came and asked, I was going to try to figure out how I could do it. Now, if you come and ask, I'm like, here's the pot. When the pot is empty, no more. Wait till the pot gets filled up again and then I can start borrowing again. But you have to have that boundary in place. So what's that number? And in all of these areas, you have to know your numbers. So that's something that my patients hear me say over and over and over again. Know your numbers. Know your numbers. How much do you want to earn? What is what does growth look like? How much are you putting away? How much are you spending on protection? And how much do you need to protect yourself? For us business owners, that might look like I have personal protection and then I have my business protected. Mm -hmm. And how much do I need? Right. And then gifting, you have to have that number. How much are you willing to give each month? Maybe you're giving to charities. Maybe you're giving to church. Maybe you're giving to family members, whatever that number is, or grown kids. There's usually a word in between grown and kids. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, So whatever that is, have a number and say, that's it, that's all. When the pot is empty, I'm done. And then have your enjoyment number. And this is the number that a lot of people miss. Either... They just spin, 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 and they're like, I don't know what that number is. Or they don't spin at all because they don't know what that number is. Yeah, and I, I'll uh, I'll admit, I, you know, now since I've been married, I've, I've gotten um, into that enjoyment number. Like, I, uh, well, I don't necessarily have a number, but we'll we'll go through and we kind of enjoy our money. But I mm-hmm. used to, um, I, I still am a very much a workaholic. My, uh, my wife complains about it sometimes. Um, uh, but you really don't understand how much you need that relief. You need to be able to kind of go out and even if it's not a vacation, just having something where you can buy, um, buy something that you can appreciate for the hard work that you've done. Um, you know, that can be a a relief in and of itself. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think I remember meeting your wife and she's like really Mm -hmm. sweet. And so, yeah, you, (laughs) you got to spend some time, you got to like break off and like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And learn. It's tough though for business owners because you kind of married to your business. Yeah. And then you're married. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, and you got to make sure that your real wife does not feel like the mistress. Right. Yeah. And so giving them that time and really carving out because it's money we're talking about because this is the industry we work in, but some of it is time. Yeah. 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 And so you have to decide how much time, how much money, how much energy you're willing to give to each one of those areas. And an enjoyment section is really important when you're married. This is something I work on with couples on often because it's usually opposing. One person is like, I can stay at home. I'm good. (laughs) While the other person like, let's go out. It's like, where? Where? To the backyard? Like, let's stay home. Right. And so really finding that harmony. I use the word harmony where other people use balance because Mm -hmm. there's not balance. It's not like, okay, 50% of the time we're going to go out and 50% of the time we're going to stay in. 
That is not going to happen. There'll probably be some harmony there. We may stay in 70% of the time, especially if the money is not coming in the way it normally comes in. Or we may start going out 70% of the time. It's like, oh, it's a bunch of birthdays in some month or, you know, so it's really going to be just Mm 50-50. But find that harmony, whatever that number is, and then just discuss it. It really just has to be a conversation. And that's what the money mission brings you to. It brings you to a conversation rather than an argument because it's in the money mission. So you just go back to the money mission, whether the argument is with your spouse or with yourself, you're just going to go back to your money mission and say, Oh, that's right. This is how we gift money. That's, this is how we enjoy money. And also this is a good place to kind of just shut down arguments. If you are going back and forth, it's like, well, let's just consult the money mission. It's in writing what we want to do with our money. So let's go back to it. And and you need at least one money day per month where you look at this money mission and you look at the plan that goes along with that money mission. Mm-hmm. I say more, but at least like that's the least amount is once a month, but more, especially if you add in children and then uh, parents, you know, they borrow because some people have that challenge yeah. where it's like, okay, every month your mom's going to call. <laughs> we got to put her in the budget. I basically. thought it was just this one time, right? but then, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So then she has to become part of the budget. Even if she doesn't know she's a part of the budget, please don't tell her um, <laughs> the call comes more often. But well, you had it budgeted for me to be, yeah. Exactly. Right, right. I'm here. Mm-hmm. It's time for me to get my check. <laughs> So, yeah, don't tell her, but budget for her. But if you know that's happening, if Mm -hmm. you know that's happening and you want to be ready for that, then be ready for that. And she goes in that gifting area unless you want to start payroll. Right. (laughs) And write her off on your taxes. I'm just kidding. So so essentially your mission statement is is, is kind of uh, strategically planning for um, for what your financial future, what you want that to look like. Exactly. And so it doesn't really... You know, where you where you mentioned um, uh, for couples or whatever, it's like an, a, there may be some financial arguments um, in this particular case, whether it's with just you or if it's with um, you and a significant other. It's more so, well, it's not really an argument because this is what we said we were going to do. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. gotcha. And that, and I want to point out because you mentioned it and I mentioned it, but I want to make sure the listeners hear that it goes in conjunction with your financial plan. So the mission comes first based on your mission is how you take, you take your mission to your financial advisor and say, let's do a plan based on what we want. And we know what we want, which is why you do the mission first, because a lot of times when they come to the financial advisor, they don't know what they want, which is why they end up with anything. Right. Right. A lot of times you come in kind of, um, or, or they'll come in or whatever, kind of confused, and they want to, they they want that guidance. Yeah. Um. But it is good to 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 have, you know, kind of I, I have an idea of what you want things to look like, and then it does make it a little bit, even if you don't necessarily understand all the intricacies of different exactly. products and different uh, investment options, you can still say, does it match up with what you know what I wrote down in my plan? So yes. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, so, um, that, that kind of brings us on to the, to the next thing. So kind of getting to, um, to where you are, uh, confident financially, um, having this plan together seems like that would, would, uh, would definitely help you to be a little Give bit more it. financially confident, but, um, elaborate a little bit on, on, on your ideas for financial confidence. So I teach a course called a wealth of confidence mm-hmm. and a wealth of confidence is really a, it, two things. One is helping you understand what is blocking that confidence. 
And then from there is helping you understand what you need to do or what you need to put in place in order to build or keep, maintain that confidence. So on one hand, some of the things that are blocking our confidence are comparing ourselves to others, right? Looking at the Joneses. So we forget our own freaking money mission and our own plan because the, the Joneses just bought a new car. So we go out and buy a new car. It's like, wait, the financial advisor is pissed because it's like, wait, this is not in the plan. We didn't talk about this. And they're like, but the Joneses just got a new car. Stop it. So comparing, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's competing, which those two, here's the difference between the two. Comparing is usually looking at the other person saying they're better than me. Mm-hmm. Competing is looking at the other person saying, I got to be better than them. Yeah. Right? Yep. <laughs> right. So you got comparing, <laughs> you got competing, and then you have complaining. Now, whether you're looking on social media and you're like, what? Her husband just bought her a new car. Didn't it buy me a new car? <laughs> right. Right. Or whatever thing you're, com- you're complaining about. Then you go and you don't, he doesn't even know why you're mad at him. All he, he doesn't have any idea. You go looking on social media because Jane just got a new car and now you're looking at him and you're like, what? And look at that garbage. And he's like, oh, it's only half full. Well, it still needs, it stinks. <laughs> Why are we having this argument? Like, what is happening right now? Because she was on social media comparing her marriage or her husband to somebody else. And now she wants her husband to go out and spend money on her because it looks like Jane's husband. Now, she don't know if Jane's husband went in debt to get this car, right. bar- borrowed, stole. You know, she doesn't right. know. Or if he was trying to make up for something. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know the story. So stop. Stop. Turn off the feed. Stop letting social media feed into your marriage. And so, or into your pocketbook, like whatever it is. Because even if you're by yourself, sometimes that even more, because you don't have that love in your life. So now you're going to go out and spend more money because you're trying to keep up with the fulfillment that you think that other people have that you don't have. So all of these things is what take away from our confidence. And one thing we mentioned earlier is the confusion. When we're confused, you can't be confident and confused at the same time. Those two just can't exist together. The more clarity you have, the more confidence you can have. And the more confidence you have, the less courage you need. So the more confident you have you are you don't need as much courage to do the things with your money that you need to do because you're like oh is this right are we guessing you know no you know this is right you don't have to have courage because you already sat down you wrote your money mission you went to your financial advisor you got your financial plan done and now you just stick to it because you're not complaining you're not comparing you're not competing and you're no longer confused So that's the first part of a wealth of confidence. You got to get that clarity. Mm -hmm. And then you move on to what is the day to day? What do we do on a daily basis? Because the money mission is broad and the financial plan is kind of broad. But what do we do on a daily basis? And you have to have and that's personal and that's based on your idea of prosperity. So if you tell me your idea of prosperity is freedom and, you know, I want to travel, then I want to make sure that your day-to-day activity is in line with your idea of prosperity because the further you are from your idea of prosperity, the closer you are to unhappiness. So as much as possible, I'm working to get you in, in line with your idea of prosperity. If freedom is your idea, then you need to be doing things that make you feel free. If security is your idea of prosperity, then you we need to be making sure that you have security in place. But if you don't have that in place, every single day you're 
fearful because you don't have your security, then what can we do to adjust life so that you're feeling more secure, which is then going to make you feel more confident and more prosperous? Got you. So <clears throat> as you're going through and you're working with clients, it's not really so much about getting them to, you know, this glorious place or whatever that you've designed. It's based on what they want to accomplish and and kind of getting them to where whatever they're as close as they can to their vision of their version of prosperity. Yes, exactly. So that's the first question I ask. I don't even I don't I say this. That's the first question I ask patients or clients. But that's the first question I ask people. Like, that's what I want to know about the people around me, because I'm going to call you on it. If yeah. you're not doing your idea of prosperity, what is your idea of prosperity? You've got to know that, because the more you know that, the less you care about what anybody else is doing. And the more you know that, the more you can go to that financial advisor and say, oh, I see your plan and it does look good for somebody else. For me, in my idea of prosperity, I need some of this in there. Can you give me a plan with that? course he would do it then or she would do it then right but they don't know that all the time so you got to have that clarity but you got to know your idea of prosperity in order to get there mm -hmm. so okay so um let's let's kind of go back a little bit um you you are a financial therapist mm -hmm. right and um you know, I'd, I'd say in our world or whatever, that that's a kind of new new terminology, or at least it's new um, uh, to me. So so tell me a little bit, what is financial therapy? Okay. So first I'll say this. I am the CEO of Presidential Lifestyle that happens to do financial therapy. So I would like to make that distinction okay. only for okay. one reason, because I do have other coaches. And so the, the I might not be the financial therapist that they work with. So So it's not just me. Okay. Right? Okay. Gotcha. Okay. But financial therapy for me in the way that I administer it, because financial therapy is a new term mm -hmm. and, but it's been around about 10 years now, but it is new because there were, when I joined about three or four years ago, there were only about 200 of us across the country. Now that has grown, right. but there's still not very many. I mean, that number is very small. Right. Across right. the country. Right. And so and now I'm even considered international because I've done this work internationally. But what financial therapy is, is reconciling your emotions around money, like really getting the understanding of what the emotions are, because mm -hmm. we pretend like money is not emotional, but it is. Or we'll say something like money is not important, but it is. And so when people are saying things like money is not important, I just come in and I kind of challenge that a little bit. So when you say not important, do you mean like if I took if you just sign your check over to me and that would be OK with you? Of course not. Right. right, right. <laughs> no, it's what they really mean is money is not the only thing that's important to me. But they forget to say that word. And you know why? Because society has taught us that money is not important. And if you say that money is important, then you must be evil bad, greedy, something, mm -hmm. all these negative terms. So as a financial therapist, what I do is help people understand the language and feel comfortable with it, like use more positive words rather than the negative words, but understand that the negative words are imprinted and programmed into them. They're not the negative words. They didn't come up with the negative words. This has been imprinted in them. And so in that course that I talked about, A Wealth of Confidence, we also talk about who's to blame. <laughs> so I like to blame it on the mean, big old bully society right. <laughs> that just gives us opposing messages like 
money, the love of money is the root of all evil, right? But then it's like, oh, but if you can have money, you can take care of people and do all these things. So now I'm confused. Should I have money or shouldn't I have money? Right. Right. It says that um, the divorce rate is 50%. But then they're like, go out and find your soulmate. Well, which one is it? <laughs> right. So, and that's not, that's just the beginning. There's so many opposing messages. If you think about it, for every saying they say, there's an opposite saying they I'm also saying. say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So then we're confused. We're like, wait, should I get married or shouldn't I? Right. Should I be wealthy or shouldn't I? I don't know which one because society has given me these opposing messages. So as a financial therapist, I'm going to help you reconcile that. Some of those are right for you. Keep them. Some of those are not right for you. They are not going to get you to your idea of prosperity. Delete them. And that's the work that I do really hypnotherapy because I use hypnotherapy as the healing modality because you have to heal from this. Mm-hmm. You can't just decide one day unless there's a catastrophic event. We usually don't change. What changes us is either a catastrophic event or slowly, just like you learned your ABCs. One day you didn't know your ABCs. One day you did. And in between those two days, you went A, B, C, D. A, B, C, D, E, F. And one day you're like, mommy, I know my ABCs. It's because the brain learns slow and the brain learns fast. So another example of the brain learning fast is if you ever got food poisoning or you ate something and then you end up getting sick afterwards. Maybe Uh it wasn't food poisoning. And then you could never eat that thing again. You're like, I don't even want to look at it, smell it, nothing. Get it away from me. That's the brain learning fast. So the brain learns in those two different ways. So either you're going to go through a catastrophic catastrophic event and Mm -hmm. change or slowly but surely you're going to see things differently see your patterns start to shift them see your patterns start to shift them see your patterns start to shift them mommy i'm wealthy that's what happened okay okay so you you um I feel like you kind of sped through this uh, hypnotherapy Mm. um, piece (laughs) and that's something that is um you know i've i've kind of uh been interested in in uh hypnotherapy for a while never actually done anything with it but tell me um first how how did you get into hypnotherapy what what uh brought on this passion what, what yeah. took you there it's totally an accident so when i was in my master's program for mental health counseling my one of my professors that i admire so much she was a hypnotherapist mm-hmm. and she was my trauma therapist which i thought i would never do trauma because trauma sounds sad and i'm a positive happy person you can see already i'm so silly um so trauma just sounded like oh no that's terrible i'm not doing that but i fell in love with trauma because i realized that everything we do is because of our trauma and so if i could help people heal their trauma then life is just total totally different for them So she was a hypnotherapist and she told me about the hypnotherapy class that she took. So I went and and part of the reason why I took it is because it was in Florida on the beach. So that made it a lot easier to study. (laughs) So I was like, oh, that sounds like the class for me. And I went and it was beautiful. I loved it. It was like you I in the class I learned, but I also healed while I was in the class. And so I was like, this has to be something for me to come here to learn this, but to still take something away from it and actually heal from some of my own trauma. I know this is going to work in my practice. So I took it back and I started using it. And in day one, not even I'm using it as a novice. And this is two years ago. And now more, more advanced, I'm seeing lives change in sometimes in one session. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes you may need six, course, eight, right. 12 sessions. But 
sometimes in one session. And so it's gotten to the point where and I do th- financial therapy a lot, but I do trauma therapy sometimes, too. And okay. so therapists send patients to me when they don't know what else to do with them. They're just like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I don't know what to do with this person. And they've been in therapy for two years. And then I get them and they might be in my chair for two sessions just like that. Like, especially teenagers. I love working with teenagers. Like they are the best because their brains are still malleable Mm -hmm. because their prefrontal cortex is not all the way formed Mm -hmm. because it doesn't form until like age 24, 25. So because they're still so malleable that it works so quickly on them and their trauma is still fairly new. I mean, think about it. Us adults, our trauma happened seven years old, 13 years old. We got bullied, whatever our parents called us stupid and we never forgot it or whatever happened and it stuck with us. And so it stuck with us. And then we validated it because we heard somebody say something that sounded like stupid. And then they said we were stupid. So now that's the second person. And then the teacher says something, um, you didn't do a good job at this. Oh, she just called me stupid. Now that's the third person. Mm -hmm. And we keep collecting evidence these layers and exactly layers on top of each other. so by mm-hmm. now what started out is one comment that your father said one time when he was just joking at least he thought he was right you took it seriously now 17 other examples of this now you call yourself stupid mm. i'm stupid so it, it makes sense that i wouldn't be able to learn this i'm stupid like uh, i'm just so stupid and now you've said it and your brain keeps hearing it we're stupid so don't give us anything to learn now you said that and not now a thousand times has passed. So it's a much harder, not harder, but it's a, it's much more work to get down into that, pluck it out and keep it gone. So we may need more sessions when you have told yourself this a thousand times right. and you believe this story. And some of us love our stories. Right. And we'll tell you over and over again, you ever met somebody who's been divorced for 10 years and they still tell you the story about their wife. And you're like, so you just got divorced and they're like, oh, no, I've been divorced for two right. years. <laughs> like, it seemed like that happened yesterday. <laughs> exactly. Right. We love our stories. Mm-hmm. So we stick with them and we hold on to them because that's our identity until we go through something like hypnotherapy. And hypnotherapy is a healing modality. There are other healing modalities out there, mm-hmm. but it's a healing modality that I use because of how quickly it can work. Talk therapy works. Mm-hmm. You can talk for two years and then then uh, you're like, oh, I figured it out. I'm not doing that thing anymore. Or kind of like a Word document, you could type something and then you could hit delete, 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 delete. And then you hit save. And now the new document is saved. That to me is how hypnotherapy works. I have you delete that old thing out of your brain, that old pattern, that old way of thinking, that old story. I have you delete it. And we save a new story. So what's the new story? We get a new story and then we save that story. And that becomes the new document that you live off of, not that old story. And the reason why I explain it like that is because in these, in this day and age, you know, a word document or is, it's just the way that we talk. So I'm giving that so that people understand that that's just an analogy to help you understand that it basically is us removing the story you used to tell yourself and giving you a new story because that's what's been holding you in bondage. That's what's been blocking, not just your idea of prosperity. It may be the love in your life. It could be whatever from being a great parent. That's what's been blocking you. This old story that you've been telling yourself. 
And so the work that we do together, because it's not it's really not me at all. It's you doing the work. I just provide a safe space for you to do it. And a lot of times we don't have a safe space to do that. We don't have a safe space to heal. And so uh, uh, in my office, and sometimes I do it virtually in my virtual office, you have a safe space to say, I don't want to tell this story anymore. I want to let it go. Because that's the question I have to ask you. And if you say no to this question, then we don't work together. But is it okay for you to be okay, even though what happened to you was not okay? And if you say, yes, I'm ready to be okay, then we can work together. But you're like, no, I like my story and I'm not ready to let it go. All right, then we don't work together. Because you're not going to have me doing all this work and you're not going to work. No, we work together on this. But you've got to be okay with being okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so, okay. So now, uh, to get, to get on course on track, um, how do you use uh, hypnotherapy to actually get your client to financial, uh, confidence or to be financially confident? So like I was saying, it doesn't matter what the block is. Mm -hmm. Hypnotherapy is going to remove any block, but in finance, what's happening is there's a story there. Mm-hmm. everybody has a money story. And that's one of the things that we work on. What is your earliest money memory? So I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I've been dropping these, all of these questions that I ask are questions that I ask in a financial therapy session. Okay. So this is a financial therapy session. If you've been listening long enough, right. and if you didn't start at the beginning, go back. So, <laughs> so, and send it to somebody that you love. So, What happens is there's a story there. There's a money story, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe your grandmother said, don't trust men. They're not going to take care of you. You got to have your own money. And so you said, I'm not going to put my money with yours. Uh Uh-uh, you keep your money over there. I keep my money over here. Because if you ever leave, you're not taking my money with you. Right? And I don't need yours. I'm going to have my own money. Right. That's one story. There's a whole bunch of other stories. We Mm -hmm. all got them. Right. Or maybe people take from you. So you got to be prepared. Be on the guard. In fact, why even have money? Because nobody's going to somebody's going to take it away from you anyway. Right. So I'm just going to get it away. Yeah. So there's so many stories. What is your story? What is the money story you've been telling yourself? Maybe the story is that money is the root of all evil. And so you don't want to be evil now. Right. So what? I don't want to have money because that, that's evil. People with, who are greedy have money. And I don't want to be one of those greedy people. So you think about it like that. What is the story you've been telling yourself? So we all have a money story. And whatever that money story is, we have to back out of that story and get a new money story. Like money comes easily and frequently. If I tell somebody money comes easily and frequently, they're going to tell me, no, society says you got to work hard for the money. They say. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You got to work hard for the money. And then if you get it, then the market might crash. It's like, okay, I get it. The market might crash, but the market might also go up. What about that story? Right. 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 (laughs) So, and then there's so many different markets. Which market are we talking about exactly? Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we got to get those stories gone. And that's where hypnotherapy comes in when it comes to financial therapy is that we erase that story so that you can get to your idea of prosperity. Because even though you have your idea of prosperity, the GPS that you put on is going to be like recalculating, recalculating, recalculating because you got this story, this pattern taking you back to another address, not the address of your idea of prosperity because your story is really the story that's inside the GPS. And it's saying, well, we were going to take you to prosperity land, but based on the story you just told us, it sounds like you want to go back here. So right. we're going to recalculate, reroute you on back to the place you've been all your life, repeating those same 
patterns over and over again. So you got to take change the address in the GPS. Wow. That's the first time I said that, and I'm keeping it. Right, right. <laughs> TM. <laughs> okay, so um, as we as we get closer to the end of the show here, um, uh, one of the things that Country Financial focuses on is um, uh, something that you actually mentioned, um, taking small but st- uh, steady steps to move forward and, and progress. Mm-hmm. So um, we call it our uh, Simple Steps campaign, and I just wanted to see if you can share maybe um, a, a, a few simple steps that you might um, uh, give clients to help them reach or get closer to prosperity. Yes. So one of my favorites I mentioned earlier, and that's the money day. Mm -hmm. Even if you're single, schedule money day with yourself. And you can make it fun, order pizza, have a glass of wine, whatever is fun for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Or what I did when I was single um, is invite my friend over. I say invite it, you know, try to make it fun for her. But because sometimes it's hard to have a money day when you don't feel like it. And you can think of 17 other things to do. Right. Besides balance your checkbook. Not that we all not that we do that anymore. But you know what I'm saying? (laughs) To do anything with money. So I would invite my friend over and just have her ask me questions. So what this we are. We just wrote the questions down. So what was some of the unexpected expenses you had this month? Well, what can you what do you have to look forward to next month? Well, what are you saving for? Like we had the questions that I needed to be aware of in order to get to my idea of prosperity. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you're single, you could do that. Or if you're private, you can do it by yourself. But have your questions that you need to be aware of and have your money day at least once a month. So that's one. Start doing that. And then this practice is tough, but I'm going to tell it to you because it works. Schedule out a no money day where you spend no money, no dollars, no cents, not even a pack of gum. Wow. So randomly say, you know what, on this day, now I did it to to teach this. I had to do this myself. I did it every Monday for a year. Every Monday was no money day. So that meant if I needed gas, I needed to get gas on Sunday. I was not spending any money on Monday. Otherwise, I wasn't going anywhere on Monday. Yeah. Right. So I had to keep my word. No money and no exceptions and tell your children money is no money day. And it is so empowering, especially when you can tell your children. I'm sorry. It's Monday. It's no money Monday. Did did you not look at the calendar? Love it. Love it. Love it. So that would be because that helps you get gain control. That's really what that's about. Some self some self-confidence around not spending, because what happens is we sometimes see not spending as a deficit. Well, if I don't spend, does this mean I don't have any money right now? Everybody think I don't have money. Right. No, you do. You send your bank account. You when you spend it is when you don't have it. Right. Excuse me. You just fired your money. It's no longer working for you. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Trademark that too. Yes. (laughs) So it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure having you on the show today. Uh, Can can you um, share with the uh, with our listeners uh, how they can uh, reach you? Absolutely. So if you'd like to take the money mentality quiz, you can go to canaquarter.com slash money dash quiz canaquarter.com slash money dash quiz and you can take the money mentality quiz i'm also on instagram i answer my dms so if you have a question you can dm me on instagram at canaquarter all right this has been another episode of trusted advisor radio we thank you for listening we look forward to having you next week next month (laughs) 